Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Everyone, Talio, it's V, the Gorilla Economist, and I have with me the man of the hour who needs no introduction. He is our resident supremacist of all things racist, transphobic, homophobic, and humanphobic. It's the one and only Matthew Edit. You can find him on these racist websites alongside us here at Rogue, where we are the absolute ep- the epitome of racism and bigotry right here on Rogue News. Matthew Errett, you can find him over at the CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, as well as the TheRisingTideFoundation.net, where you can get his superlative books on the multipolar world, which is a threat and an affront to us, who are the supremacists of the, of the unipolar world order. You can go check it out right there, or his books. And with that being said, Matthew, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm very good. And, you know, we were just joking a little bit before this, but yeah, it's true. Like the way things are set up with this new, new weird post-truth ethic, like anything you say that has an inkling of um, of the idea that you might know or believe that something is truthful will make you either an authoritarian, a racist, or a white supremacist, or all three of those things altogether. If you even think that uh, maybe... Um, Maybe Russia was on the right side of history in World War II. That's actually turning you now into uh, an argument can now be made. Well, you're a, a, a tyrannical, bomb. authoritarian, fascist, white supremacist, just yes. like Hitler was that Nazi. Uh, sorry, not not Hitler. Sorry, Putin, who is apparently the same thing, even in Berlin, in Germany, of all places. You say um, Putin, I say Hitler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they they forbade the the use of the Russian flag in their Victory Day celebrations in Germany of all places, the place that doesn't currently have swastikas because of the sacrifice of 25 million Russians that took by far the greatest hit. You're not allowed to have Russian flags. But Matt, I I, I thought it was the Americans that won World War II, and uh, they came in with uh, George Patton, who was the greatest military mind to have ever existed because Hollywood told me so and there's a statue of him in West Point and Trump talks about him so therefore George Patton is the greatest ever live he is the reincarnation of Alexander the Great and uh, he and he alone with his two uh, pistols ivory and ebony well he was tooting he was rooting tooting and shooting his way into Berlin with his fourth army I thought I, I thought that that's what happened you mean to tell me it, it, it wasn't the Americans who came into the war with, uh, in the fourth quarter with five seconds left on the clock and that claimed victory for all? It's crazy. Like Putin gave strong homage to um, – during his little speech. I, I, it was a beautiful speech that he gave at the, yeah. the Russian Victory Day celebration. And he gave homage to the, the sacrifices of American and British and French and other uh, soldiers who risked so much to and, and died to sacrifice themselves for future generations – um, and he made the point as well that a lot of a lot of American and, and other uh, soldiers would have liked to have been there who were veterans of World War II who, and, and participate um, with their Russian brethren in the celebrations for Victory Day. And they were forbidden 
by their government, the U.S. government actually forbade these veterans who together with their, you know, the Russians at the Elba Day uh, meeting at, El at the River Elba, where they, the, the French, uh, the, the Americans, and the British troops finally met for the first time after defeating uh, the Nazi hordes. They just wanted their, they're in the last days of their lives. They wanted to, to be there and they were forbidden by the government because Russia is now the new Nazi regime. Um, the interesting thing in this whole process, and yeah, I mean, Patton, don't get me started on Patton, psychopathic Patton. The guy actually believed he was like Hannibal and uh, Alexander the Great. And it like, he's a nut on, job. All, all rolled up into like one guy. He's a total so nut job. A, a myth that, you know, in the middle of the war, Hollywood found his. His his mental aptitude to be absolutely perfect to create this myth around the American military. <clears throat> Meanwhile, real geniuses of the war, guys who would have crushed Patton and the Fourth Army. Okay, guys like this guy right here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, Zukov. Yeah, Marshal uh, Georgi Zukov. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the medals on this guy. Fought the best of the SS, but you'll never hear of him in any, any American no. history book. Any mention of World War II. No. He ground SS battalions to pestle. Mm. You'll never hear about him, though. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, no, I, I mean, what we've, we've been given is a lot... I mean, I don't want to underplay it because it is, it is a very, very invaluable service that so many men from and, and women uh, devoted their lives to defeating the, the Hitler machine and, and Mussolini and fascism more generally that, that has, I mean, I think a very oversimplified definition today that causes people to fall prey to the stupidity that, oh yeah, Russia is the authoritarian society that is antithetical to our rules-based democratic order, but we are the good guys. We are the heirs to the those who defeated Nazism, and that's why we have democracies, and and that's what Europe Europe exemplifies, and America under Biden exemplifies is the democratic rules based order. Um, whereas the reality, when you start poking on that popular myth that's being pushed into our heads all the time, it, a very different picture arises. And in fact, when you look at the intent, the design, the policies that are shaping the entire transatlantic community of NATO, the Five Eyes Cage Zone. What we see is something a lot more Nazi uh, that looks a lot more Nazi-esque and fascist than we would like to um, believe is true. And when you look at what are the economic military policies of Eurasia, you tend to find something which actually falls much more in alignment with the type of spirit that really put down the Hitler machine. And it wasn't just because it was a Hitler machine. I don't want to like oversimplify that either and make it seem like Hitler was just this super villain um, tyrant, you know, that was self-motivated just to like control the world and reshape the world in his image. He was a synthetic cardboard cutout. He was like, and I've said this before, he was like a Navalny that succeeded. He, he, yes. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's all he That's was. exactly who he was. <laughs> and, uh, the guy, but 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 Hollywood tells us he's a he's like a Marvel Comics uh, villain. Yeah, he's like that's and Red Skull, the, right? Like he's like yeah, and and we had to create Captain America to go to Germany using the Super Soldier Serum to defeat Red Skull, who was taking orders directly from Hitler. And luckily, Captain America and and his sidekick Bucky were able to get that done. And if it weren't for that. The war in Europe would be lost. I mean, Captain America paved the way for George Patton to come through, man. I mean, this is all makes it's all part of history. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> Didn't Patton, Patton even wanted to drop a nuclear bomb on Russia like before the war was even over when we were still like, we might as well go ahead and fight the uh, Germans. Yeah. Because uh, that's what we're going to do. He's like, we, we might as well fight them before they fight us over there in Russia. Let's drop them nukes on them commie ruski bastards. Yeah. No, over the top, eh? Um, no, I, I mean, but here's the thing. Like, you, you're you're dealing with, with something that's been unresolved. So we've all been told that World War II happened. We stopped it. The good guys won. It's over. It can never happen again, right? Well, it can never. That's been a mantra. Like, And so when we see things that are eugenics-oriented, population-control-oriented, uh, evidence that there is a power above nation-states with an agenda to... Um, reduce the world to slavery cattle like dumbed down underpopulated slavery we're like no that 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 can't be anything like like nazi fascism because that was that can never happen again nothing could ever be that evil and so the mind just sort of uh filters out evidence that in fact the 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 those who brought us nazism never were punished in nuremberg um i recently uh republished an article that i had actually written uh, a few victory days ago um, with a few tweaks to it with a picture of Prescott Bush, you know, the, the patriarch of the Bush family and uh, Hjalmar Schacht and Hitler on the other side um, as the feature image. And uh, the point that I really wanted to hammer across in the article that I titled for victory day, isn't it time we think about winning world war two is that when you look at the, the financial backers of Hitler and Mussolini and Franco, People forget about Franco, but he, he was going to play a big role in this global fascist new world order. Look at who funded them. Did they fund themselves? No. Did they provide their own logistics and support? Did, did the Nazi war machine um, provide its own oil supplies, petroleum? Um, no, not actually at all. No, without, without things like the Rockefeller standard oil machine, you couldn't have had Operation Barbarossa. You couldn't have had um, anything of World War II. First of all, if you hadn't had before that, it, if you hadn't had British secret diplomacy ensuring that the Nazis would have full control over uh, the economies and everything else of first Poland and then Czechoslovakia, which in Czechoslovakia, Alex Craner did a wonderful exposition on this in the form of three articles. Czechoslovakia had a superior military than Germany did in 1938 and 39. What do you got there? There's more uh, patent being psychopathic. Yeah, so with the German view, I mean, yeah, yeah. just to give you a look, the German military, the Wehrmacht was the most formidable army in Europe. There's no question about it. The German army, if they never went to go fight the Russians and they had their panzer divisions and their SS divisions in place within the Wehrmacht and the Luftwaffe was in place, there'd be no way in hell the U.S. would have gotten three feet into Normandy. It wouldn't even happen. It wouldn't have even happened. And then Britain would have fallen very shortly right after France. Yeah. Hitler's key mistake was Operation Market Garden. <clears throat> so the German view is very important. When you start reading actual um, excerpts from the diaries of former Nazi officers, men who were on the ground, even the uh, German high command, right, you would see that there was a great more fear, concern, and worry as it comes to the Red Army versus the Americans. Oh, yeah. Okay, as it came to Zukov versus a Patton. Yeah. This highlight over here is a key point. And, and, and again, I love having Matthew on because every time we, we, he comes on here, we are 
literally dispelling narratives and 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 propaganda and just bullshit fictional stories, man. Look, the Germans did not track Patton's movements as the key to Allied. And this is from the Hoover Institution. They never raised his name in the context of a worthy strategist. Hence, the intelligence efforts were much more focused on people like Montgomery and Eisenhower because this was the level on which the strategic decisions mm-hmm. were made. They don't worry about Patton. No. No, no. They, they weren't concerned about him. No. Rommel wasn't concerned about him. And, 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 irrespective of the George C. Scott movie, Patton, was all about George Patton, supposedly, right? Mm-hmm. Rommel could care less. Why? Because he was already, the, the fox in the desert was already being called to the European theater in the front because they knew there was going to be a big push. Hitler's engaging with Russia and Market Garden. Yeah. This is what was going on. Yes. It's a Hollywood production, just like Nalvani. That's another thing. Go ahead, man. I'll, no, I'll, no, I'll you said it, man. I mean, absolutely. And, and I mean, that, that's before I go back to, to Prescott Bush and the, and the, the Wall Street London uh, machine behind, not, behind fashion. Before, might, might as well just take a moment here as well just to restate it. Yeah, like Russia absorbed something like 89% of the Wehrmacht and the entire Nazi war machine were absorbed by Russia. Um, like that was the full Correct. throttle, full brunt, 25 million deaths. And I even, you know, drank a lot of propaganda over the years um, before I started really exploring this this history. And I also was spewing out this crap that was put in my head. I don't know where. I guess I first heard it in school that Stalin was such a cold bastard that he didn't care about his people. And he was willing just to throw his Russian uh, soldiers um, right onto the front lines, his cannon fodder. Now, no, no, that that was that's British imperial propaganda that came out of the Cold War. Uh, not at all. I mean, in, in fact, yeah, there there were cases where they didn't have the supplies needed and they, they fought valiantly. But the point was they were being choked. There was an economic war that Britain was even launching against Russia to undermine Russia while they were fighting the Nazis, because there was still a question in the British mind, even after Neville Chamberlain was ousted. Right. <laughs> The guy who mm-hmm. actually had a program with the Roundtable movement to work to continue the program of working with Hitler all the way up until 1940 um, as part of the original New World Order design of saying, OK, we could salvage this Anglo-German uh, fascist relationship with our American counterparts in like Wall Street and carve up. Yeah, the Nazis were they, remember yeah. the Nazis were having conventions in Madison Square Garden right here in New York, man. Yeah, you could see pictures of George Washington's yeah. face and the Nazi swastika at Madison Square Garden filled to the brim. Um, people were still suffering right under the Great Depression effects. Like the the, the full blown effects of the of the New Deal had not been felt yet. It takes a, a lag time for these types of big infrastructure projects to to bear full spiritual and material effects. So a lot of the people who had still been suffering were easily radicalizable. There you go, right there. Yeah, that was like one of many common images that you would see in new york in washington full stadiums right madison square garden to the you had similar things as well in quebec uh look at that right george washington right up there i mean where did hitler get the ideas from eugenics he got it from us and the british yeah exactly and and look at canadian i mean you you'd be hard pressed to find um a canadian who didn't have a great grandparent who at that time in the 1930s was also goose stepping in the streets of montreal uh, where we also had big Nazi Quebec parades with with our Quebec uh, Nazi, what's his name, Adrien Arcan, who was uh, working closely with Oswald Mosley. These were all people in tightly wrapped together with the New York 
blue blood Eastern establishment families with Montague mm-hmm. Norman at the city of London at the, at the central bank of England, which right. all of these things were highly, highly enmeshed and consolidated from the top. And why it's because, you know, people, when they have economic despair, as what happened was the effect of the great depression, which hit the entire transatlantic, they lose, they, they become more radicalizable. They lose hope in the future. This is how you're able to recruit so many young Arabs to become members of ISIS and other things. Um, it's because you first had to destroy the economies of Afghanistan, of Iraq, of Syria, in order to give people a sense of, of just nihilism and, and just anger and, and resentment to the point that they want to blame anything you know that, that is given to them as the cause of their woes, and they can easily become radicalizable. And that's the case of the Ukrainian Nazis today. I mean, the fact that you have now you know, 30 years worth of, a, of an inflammation, a rekindling of the, the Nazi romanticism that wasn't an issue in the 70s and 80s in Ukraine. This was a latent, negligible thing that was easy to ignore the, the Stefan Bandera lovers in Ukraine. It wasn't a big thing at all. And it was only with the dismantling of the Soviet Union and the conscious rape of the economy and the people of Ukraine for 30 years under Victoria Nuland, Strobe Talbot, Soros, and others that you were able to create a climate of despair, of anger, where people were then easily willing to then become part of these right sectors, Svoboda. Oh, yeah, there you go, right? Yeah, Nazi Nazi swastikas and U.S. flags. Yeah. You think this was ready to take over the control of the United States, right? This- of course. They were ready. They were priming it. What happened? And if, if it wasn't for the Ruskies. The Ruskies. And, and also check this out. There's a, we would be goose-stepping. There's a special definition, actually. People are confused about the definition of fascism today. But I liked Franklin Roosevelt because at the same time, in 1938, he was dealing with this the growth of this uh, Nazi takeover potential inside of the United States. And, uh, yes, yeah, thing gets violent, eh? And yeah, that's one of the uh, uh, an actual army veteran who's a Jewish officer. Yeah, um, who getting decided to storm the stage. And this is beaten. what they did to him. Yeah, yeah. So check this out. Yeah. I'm going to read a quote about from FDR on mm-hmm. how what is fascism? Okay, this is the best definition of fascism I've seen. <clears throat> he says, "This is what he said in 1938. The first truth." is that the liberty of a democracy is not safe if the people tolerate the growth of private power to a point where it becomes stronger than their democratic state itself. That, in its essence, is fascism. Ownership of government by an individual or by a group or by any other controlling private power. Among us today, a concentration of private power without equal in history is growing. This concentration is seriously impairing the economic effectiveness of private enterprise as a way of providing employment for labor and capital, as a way of assuring a more equitable distribution of income and earnings among the people of the nation as a whole. And I mean, this is like a much more cohesive, coherent understanding of what fascism actually is as far as the power of a private, a private interest above the actual institutions of the nation state. Um, which gives you a better explanation why you had the situation of things like, again, Brown Brothers Harriman. As one of many banks that Prescott Bush worked for, he worked for another one called Union Banking Corporation, which is where the majority of the, the Bush family fortune got accrued its wealth, was in providing loans, first in the 1930s, 
when Hitler was bankrupt and um, what's his name? Kurt von Schleicher became was appointed chancellor after the, the Nazi party got wiped out in the 1932 ele uh, elections in Germany. Hitler was contemplating suicide. The Nazi coffers were empty. They were bankrupt. And what swept in to save the day? It was Br Prescott Bush representing Brown Brothers Harriman, who provided a massive loan, um, which kept the Nazi machine going to the point that a soft coup could be arranged where um, very, very shortly thereafter, a corrupt, stupid uh, Bismarck, um, not Bismarck, uh, Hindenburg, appointed then Hitler after uh, firing Schleicher for no good reason. There was, a, there was a certain bribe in the whole thing. And then within no time whatsoever, Hitler started to work putting into motion things like the inside job of the, the burning down of the Reichstag, right, which was, I think, March 1933, right when, when Franklin Roosevelt was consolidating his power. It should have been Schleicher. Schleicher was much more in alignment as a, as a chancellor. His policy was based upon the Friedrich List economic platform. That was a very big movement in Germany. It was the Frederick List movement. What was Frederick List? He was the national dirigist ec economist. He was the guy who, who studied in the United States with Marquis Lafayette in the 1830s and studied the American system of political economy. Protectionism, right? State-backed credit for big projects, internal development, the development of the cultivation of the powers of the mind by in investing in industry and new scientific discoveries to overcome the limits of growth. That's, that's, Friedrich List. And the List movement was so strong at this period in Germany, and it was m entirely based upon what was being reactivated under the Lincoln revival that was occurring by the bipartisan coalition within the Democratic and Republican Party. Because you had traitors and you had patriots within both parties who worked together in the 1920s and 30s to fight the to fight against the League of Nations, the, the push for a one-world government in 1919 and all the way up through the 1930s. That, that fight back against it occurred by patriots, Republic, like Republican and Democrat, like I said, in, in the U.S., who said they don't want to sacrifice their sovereignty on an altar of this post-one world or post-nation state order. Um, FDR was their selected champion, and he fought valiantly, and he sabotaged the, um, the growth. We've, I've talked about this before, but it's always worth repeating, especially on a day like today, he sabotaged the Bankers Dictatorship Conference of the London Conference of 1933 that was run by the, the League of Nations in London and the Bank of International Settlements in order to, to solve the Great Depression, not by creating jobs of value or anything like that, not by reigning in the power of private capital under a sovereign nation state. No, 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 no. It was the creation of a supranational central bankers dictatorship to balance the global budgets and rein in inflation and other things through a new type of monetary system, which Roosevelt was wise enough to sabotage. He pulled the United States. It was a six-month fight, and he pulled the U.S. delegations out of every single one of these, these conferences, the same way that India and China saved the world in, in 2009. And most people don't even know about this. When, they were, when the world was dragged to the, the COP21 conference to create a one-world government with a binding uh, carbon... Um, carbon reduction quota system, right? A mechanism that could enforce global reduction of carbon outputs, which is world government and depopulation. That was sabotaged because China and, and India played the role of Franklin Roosevelt in that time in 2009 and basically locked themselves in a room, would not participate. And at the end, it was admitted that nothing was going to happen. Then they did it again in 2021 with COP26. They, again, it was largely sabotaged, rightfully so, 
by India, China, and a few other countries, or Russia as well, who said they don't want to uh, allow for any type of enforceable binding uh, carbon reduction policy. So this is what the thing was. You know, in the 30s, you had Prescott Bush doing this. He was indicted in 1941 after the U.S. had had entered the war finally. Prescott Bush was indicted um, for trading with the enemies, uh, for working with, for being a director of a, a union banking corporation on top of Brown Brothers Harriman. And in so doing, he was integrating and working with Fritz Thiessen, uh, who owned an, a bank on top of owning IG Farben, the world's fourth biggest corporation in the world that was enmeshed with uh, Standard Oil. They had, a, they had a, a, an oil cartel that was set up a little bit earlier in 1929 by the Dawes plan. Owen Dawes was a J.P. Morgan stooge who created this Dawes plan idea, um, which created this, this cartel. Uh, basically with Standard Oil and IG Farben as the base of the cartel that controlled the majority of the global um, petroleum and other vital resources. Now, Fritz Thiessen also had a bank called the um, the, the Bank Voorhandel in uh, Schietvart in of the Netherlands, which is what also funded Hitler. He even wrote a book saying, I called I Paid Hitler. <laughs> Actually, that was the name of the Fritz Thiessen book. And this thing was integrated with the, the Union Banking Corporation, which was making tons of money, providing loans and other things, investments to the, the Nazi machine after it was already killing both Americans and Russians and, and other um, soldiers. So you had this happen. Um, keep, what do you got there? What's, what's this? Uh, seven brands with Nazi ties that we all use. Bear. Oh, yeah. Bear grew out of that. Yep. Yeah. IG Farben. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You got uh, probably IBM must be on that list too, I would imagine. Um, I don't know. Oh, that's a brand. Kodak. Kodak came out of that. That's right. Yeah. Wow. You can go for more benign things that. like Pepsi Cola. They had their own little uh, journal. The Associated brand. Press. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, the APs. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What else you got in there? Hugo, Hugo they designed the best. Yeah, Hugo Boss, some of the best uh, uniforms ever, man. I mean, evil never looks so yeah, cool. Coca Cola, there, yeah. honest. Coca Cola, Fanta right. That was the. Uh, That's right. Fanta yeah, was their cover. thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then we have, of course, Volkswagen. Volkswagen. Yeah. Yeah. Volkswagen. Well, that's what the uh, the Club of Rome came out of. Aurelio uh, Aurelio uh, Pache, who. Found of the there's IBM. Oh, IBM knew they're, they're gonna be on that list. Rasenmat. Yep. The punch card that the SS would use. Yep. And IBM was, oh, oh. I mean, if you look at there's a, a good documentary by James Corbett who uh, goes through Bill Gates's bio a little bit and, and he just demonstrates pretty concretely that Bill Gates is a synthetic cardboard cutout. Well, we already knew that, but to what? What controls him? And it was the IBM machine that wanted to have in the late 70s. They knew that there was going to be this home computing type of revolution, but it would look a little bit shady to have IBM systems penetrating everybody's homes on personal computers and stuff, um, since they had a pretty bad reputation, rightfully so, because of what they were doing, providing the computing systems to all of the Nazi con concentration camps. And so they had to create a new synthetic um, company that didn't sound like them. And Bill Gates is, I think it was his mother who was a high-level official with an IBM on a, a, a director. His his dad had a lot of overlap yep. too, both in Planned Parenthood, as a as yes. a eugenics, a neo eugenics organization tied to uh, a, a Sanger acolyte. His dad. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. 
and but but they had to create this new thing called they just named it Microsoft. They stole other people's ideas, just attributed to this like, from genius geeky kid whose dad is a is a high level, you know, upper level manager oligarch. Um you know, fixated and fetishistically uh, toying with the idea of, of putting viruses. Like I think the world's first viruses for computers were not done by hackers. As we were told, they were actually released by Microsoft in order to sell antivirus software. Um, yep. So you can see how this would, an this analog of seeing humanity as a form of computer system that could then be modified with so-called viruses and then the, selling the solution to the viruses uh, to modify the behavior of the system, it, 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 it's it's a, a logical extension. It's not like two separate worlds of computing and then human manipulation. It's it's very much parts of the same thing. And this poor kid, Bill Gates, had his whole life controlled. I mean, from, from the get-go, I think things were just charted out for what he was going to do with his life as a failed personality. And I feel a bit of sympathy for the the tragedy of having this kid who could have been a human being who became this you know, nasty sociopath because of this conditioning. But anyway, that's what IBM was doing. So you got this whole this whole apparatus that was never punished after Nuremberg, right? Or, or with Nuremberg. After World War II, uh, all of the standard like standard oil, its its Rockefeller uh, controllers were never punished. It it actually continuously provided um petroleum to the Nazi machine all the way up until 1945. Um that was, I mean, that's, you would not have had Operation Barbarossa if you had cut off Standard Oil. Um, the, the, the combined U.S., like this combine of U.S.-German uh, steelworks that I mentioned was set up by, uh, by this guy Dawes um, produced 50.8% of Nazi pig iron throughout World War II, the entire war, 41% of universal plate. Um, I got some other facts here. 38% of galvanized steel, 45% of the piping. And 35% of the explosives were produced because of this U.S., um, you know, industrial complex just on that alone, on top of everything else that we just talked about. Um, then on top of that, you had the banks of the Bank of International Settlements that was, again, created under the, the, the guidance of the Bank of England. People like Montague Norman, who's the longest standing, he's, he was called the archpriest of central banks, of central bankers. And he was in there from like 1920 all the way till 1946 or something. The longest standing uh, governor of the Central Bank of England. This guy was the controller of Hjalmar Schacht, who was trained under his supervision. He was the one who, Hjalmar Schacht was the Nazi finance minister. Um, all the way from the, from the 20s throughout the 30s into World War II. And uh, the Bank of International Settlements was created nominally under the Dawes plan, but it was really a British creation. And it was designed originally nominally to be run by Hjalmar Schacht mostly and to be a central bank of central banks that would ensure World War I Versailles debt repayments. That was the nominal reason for it. But the real reason was something much, much darker. And it was the, the French, the German and the British private central banks and also uh, J.P. Morgan, which was another founding member of that. And now today, I think most of the, the Western nations central banks are members of the BIS. Um, China's is as well, but China's actually fighting against it from within. So that's an interesting thing. But, uh, you know, this thing was what was used to ensure that the Czechoslovakian the Polish, but the Czechoslovakian, especially gold reserves, were all brought from Czechoslovakia into Nazi coffers. 
Um, every country that was gobbled up by the Nazi machine, it was the Bank of International Settlements ensuring that the monetary flows were con consistently working well, even during the war itself, because uh, it's all about business, right? You don't want to mix up business and politics. That's why we, we teach them in different courses today. Um, and what was the thing that really blows my mind is it's not like there wasn't an effort around the FDR um, allies to destroy the Bank of International Settlements and actually punish these these high level Nazi financiers. Like, you know, you had Harry Dexter White, Roosevelt's key guy who managed the uh, the U.S. delegation at Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, that set up within a two week period, a completely new financial architecture around a fixed exchange rate. The idea of having um, large scale economic investments into big projects was supposed to be what animated it. Not a, not a Cold War. But Harry Dexter White had people don't know this. But he had led uh, the passage of a bill that was unanimously adopted, except by the British delegation, of course, led by John Maynard Keynes, an anti-Rooseveltian thinker. Um, and uh, this bill was to dissolve the Bank of International Settlements as, and conduct an audit of it as well. So to pull out with that audit, there would have been a lot of names, high-level names um, that would have been brought into the spotlight that would have been part of the Nuremberg Treaties uh, tr uh, Tribunal. And the bank itself would have been completely dissolved as being just a defunct, useless piece of trash. It was never acted upon, though. So the Bretton Woods, you know, institutions, the World Bank, the IMF, the GATT, the, the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, these things were set into motion originally as a design to just be instruments for the development of poor countries. And keep in mind, Russia, under Stalin and Russia, Stalin trusted uh, FDR enormously. And Russia was a founding member with a billion dollars uh, startup of the IMF. Russia was supposed to be a founding member of the IMF. And it was only because Franklin Roosevelt died that Henry, uh, that Henry Wallace was demoted and then fired. Um, that was this key guy who was the, the vice president who had a broad vision for U.S.-China-Russia collaboration in the post-war age. Harry Dexter White, also a, a huge anti-imperialist, shared the same vision he was the first uh, director of the IMF who died under very, very mysterious circumstances um, during one of these House of Un-American Activity Commission hearings where he was basically campaigning for Frank, uh, for Henry Wallace's election in 1948 as the, the Progressive Party, um, which would have completely shifted the, the, the trajectory of history. So he had Dexter White campaigning for him while serving as director of the bank of uh, the, the, the IMF. And Dexter White dies in 1948 on the steps of a courthouse. Very strange uh, situation. And uh, and this whole dream of a of a proper win-win uh, system of open open economics, right? The idea of new discoveries, new inventions, large-scale uh, Tennessee Valley Authority-style projects for India, Africa, South America, all of this was sabotaged. And instead, what you had were nuclear bombs unnecessarily dropped, on a defeated Japan, um, the Japanese war criminals. I mentioned this, I think, our last show. But Hiro Ishii, the the genocidalist sort of Mengele of Japan, uh, was absorbed immediately into Fort Detrick into the U.S. military industrial complex, which became the backbone of the entire bio bio terror bio warfare division of the military, which got more powerful after 9/11. This was Hiro Ishii. <laughs> Yeah, which we got uh, the wonderful coronavirus from, Fort Detrick, Maryland, and the bioweapons labs. Whatever the hell that thing is. I mean, the point mm -hmm. is, yeah, you got <laughs> you got pathogens that have been explored for a long time with um, a sort of 
very shadowy, very opaque, um, highly classified scientific apparatus, which has been maintained for many, many decades that has carried out experimentation on Americans as well as on Koreans during the Korean War, conducting biological warfare, again, utilizing the the playbook of the Japanese that had, I mean, they had done, Hiro Ishii had, had, there's over estimates posited around four to 500,000 people, civilians and POWs from China, Russia POWs, American POWs were experimented on in the most horrific ways under this guy and killed. They were sometimes dissected while they were still alive to see how different forms of bacteria were eating away at them that were, I mean, it was crazy, like hardcore mingling Insane. stuff. Yeah. Insane. Um, and this is the guy who was absolved of all of his sins and in, in sucked in just like all of the other Nazi stay behinds, right? Like Galen and the head of Nazi intelligence who was absorbed into uh, the CIA, the Dulles networks that became the basis of the entire or the controllers of the West German intelligence and also much of East uh, European intelligence throughout the entire Cold War. Um, Cynthia, Cynthia, my wife, just I mean, she wrote this beautiful Gladio uh, series on this on like what is Operation Gladio? Mm. Um, going through the the hardcore in depths and disgusting nature of how this whole fascist machine was used to carry out terrorist activity against the population of Europe as well as of America and Canada. That's why we had our own um, seemingly communist, like a, a lot of these fascist controlled operations that were operated in these terrorist cells of domestic terror operations, like the Weather Underground, or in the case of Canada, it was the uh, the the Front de Libération de Québec, the FLQ. And, uh, you know, you had the Red Brigades in um, in Europe, uh, in, Ar in in Germany, in, in Italy, in, in the Netherlands, everywhere. And they were carrying out, you know, mailbox bombing, kidnappings, uh, thousands of civilians were killed. High value targets were also sometimes killed, like Pierre Laporte, the deputy premier of, of uh, Quebec was also killed by one of these operations, as was Aldo Moro, as was Enrico Mattei. So they had a multiple uh, level of, of uh, effects, desirable effects. But the the fronts, these little cells, were always utilizing um, Maoist, uh, Marx, like they were Marxist Maoist type of fronts in order to polarize the victim population to thinking that this is Stalin. All of these little psychopathic groups of bomb makers who are reading Mao, uh, they're all representative of Stal, uh, Stalin and his and his minions. Um, and the reality was it was always the fascists controlling these guys. This is why the, the FBI was was putting so much money into ensuring not the, not Stalin, but the entire Communist Party USA by the 1960s was pretty much run by FBI informants, agents and other things that had already, they were, they were the Trotskyite faction. See, Trotsky and, and Stalin had two totally separate worldviews. That's why, why Stalin kicked Trotsky out of, out of Russia. And that's how Trotsky maintained these cells, these intricate networks of, of conspiratorial fifth columns and deep states, uh, deep state operations inside of Russia, which were finally purged in the 1930s, which we were told, I was told, and we were all told, um, by cold warriors who maintained a mythology that that was always a um, paranoid Stalin just trying to destroy his enemies. There was never actually a Trotskyite conspiracy. That was a fraud. The, the, the Moscow trials were a fraud. We proved it. James Dewey, uh, John Dewey and uh, Sidney Hook proved it with the Dewey Commission in 1939 and 40, where they absolved Trotsky of their sins in Mexico. You're like, how the hell did they 
did these guys who were actually Trotsky, they were affiliated with the Fabian Society, with the Roundtable, with the Frankfurt School. These guys are the ones who created the narrative that that Stalin was uh, completely at fault and just made things up. Who are they to say what the truth is? What evidence did they even have except for Trotsky's own testimony who was there in Mexico? Um, they made it up. There actually was. There really was. Um, and and evidence that has been declassified in recent years only lends to the fact that there actually was this hardcore uh, Trotsky thing. The thing is, all of the Trotsky um, uh, um, Trotskyites, people like James Burnham or Albert Volstetter um, or Irving Kristol, we're all we're all Trotskyites. Sidney Hook, Trotskyites. They all became the backbone of the hardcore neocon movement that turned the USA from a Lincoln FDR type of competent uh, society into this insane warmongering uh, thing that saw people like Kissinger, Brzezinski amplify the insanity and just steer this into the, you know, the sort of Pax Americana that was religiously anti-Russian, anti-Chinese, that is currently being reactivated in the psyche of a lot of Americans who are still suffering from the, the programming of like decades of this type of crap. But these the, the fact that the Trotskyites all became the neocons is not a coincidence. It fits perfectly into the process. And this is what took back control of the, I mean, they, they took over, they purged the, the Communist Party of the USA, all of the unions that had been influenced by the, the Stalin groups, they were all purged. Um, Stalin was killed in Russia. Um, he was likely killed, at least, uh, by the doctor's conspiracy. But then afterwards, there was a destalinization campaign run by the Trotsky, the sleeper networks of Trotskyites who had regained power in 1954 under Khrushchev, who immediately absolved in Russia. He gave his secret speech, right? And with that secret speech to the, to the Politburo, he pretty much said... Um, Stalin was a was a monster. We're going to de-Stalinize now everything, and and we're going to absolve the Trotskyites of all of their their uh, their problems. Grover Fur did a lot of work on this, uh, the the researcher, and with that he also um, normalized what was called cybernetics. So the science of cybernetics, which is, which is the science of control, that's at the heart of the Great Reset. Stalin had banned that as a as an evil science. It was a bourgeoisie evil science that had no place in Russia. He banned it. And under uh, Khrushchev, it was not only rehabilitated, but but Khrushchev gave a 1960 speech um, saying that this will become now the governing ideology of Russia. Um, and it's, it's basically use, using computer models to and feedback loops and everything with a centralized command to control a very co complex system that would be highly compartmentalized. This is what Rand Corporation brought in. So who are the Trotskyites who went and ran Rand Corps? This is like Albert Wolfstetter. They brought in cybernetics into Rand Corps that managed the entire logic and game plan of the entire Cold War. The building up of, of a giant missile uh, nuclear mutually assured destruction system with the assumption that, that Russia was always going to want to dominate the world. And so we would always have to uh, maintain this bal balance of terror. This whole thing came out of Rancor, run by former Trotskyites. Same thing, the takeover in Russia of, of cybernetics. Same thing in Canada when, when Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who was a cybernetics guru, this guy was a, a Fabian Society fanatic, and he gave a speech as well in, the 19, in 1969, saying that cybernetics is the key to all of our problems, and we, we are going to now make this the basis of the entire Canadian government with his reforms 
in the 1968, 69, 70, 71, 72 that overhauled the entire government uh, under this doctrine. And this is why people like, you know, our assassinated pre premier of Quebec, Daniel Johnson Sr. had to be killed in 1968 because he was resistant to this thing, which required that human beings be made devoid of a soul, that we have to assume that we're just these hedonistic particles fighting for more pleasure and avoidance of pain within a, a system that completely controls our behavior. There is no free will. There's no soul. There's no God in this system. It's just cold machinery. And so people like Daniel Johnson being Catholic and having Catholic as, as like a dominant force within Quebec politically, um, the idea of seeing humankind as, as a being that has no soul that would then shape our education system reforms and everything else was antithetical and had to be fought and stopped to the point that he was, he was killed, no autopsy. And then right afterwards, one of his close allies, the last fighter, you know, inside of the, the Quebec government was Pierre Laporte. And how was he ritualistically killed with a, with a chain on a, on a cross or a cross on a chain that strangled him to death? It was under an Operation Gladio operation that saw him under the surveillance of a branch within the RCMP that had followed him the entire time. He was kidnapped by one of these so-called Maoist cells that was the thing that sparked the martial law in Quebec in 1970 under Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who was always in on the on the big evil joke. And uh, after a few weeks of not willing, not being willing to negotiate with the terrorists, um, they found Pierre Laporte's body in, a, in the trunk of a car. And in hindsight, now we can say that the actual agents of the, the RCMP that branched the Special Operations Division within the RCMP that carried this thing out had control of an apartment unit right next to that unit that was holding him hostage for days and days and days. Um, so it was all being done to just smother, to send a message, kind of like what they did to Gaddafi. This is what um, uh, Sergei Shoigu recently made as a point. Like, why did they showcase so publicly the ritualistic murder of Gaddafi and Saddam Hussein? It was both as a, as a message to the people, but it was mostly a message to other world leaders saying, if you resist in any way our satanic ideology, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to get, you know... <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to go through. Everyone knows what happened to Gaddafi and, and Saddam. Um, and this is what P Putin uh, really bothered him. He watched these videos, especially of Gaddafi, many times over and uh, took this very seriously. He vowed that he would not let this happen to another another statement statesman, which is why he put the entire um, Russian security apparatus into the defense of, of Syria and Bashar al-Assad not just for Bashar al-Assad, but really for the sake of the entire social social cohesion of Syria, but also the entire Arab world, which has completely been saved in many ways, or a lot of time has been bought now for a new a new hope, a new potential to arise in that field that could rebuild a, a, a real civilizational building process once again, which, need, which needs China, because China can build things. Russia still doesn't have that that economic liberty to do the sorts of things that China can do with their their state-run banking system. China China can emit credit for large-scale development, which is vital for Yemen, for uh, Syria, Iraq, and beyond. Which is also why Pakistan was destabilized, right? And Imran Khan was ousted. The new government we don't yet know exactly what they're going to do, but we do know that Imran Khan definitely was working super hard on overtime to ensure that Pakistan would have a very positive set of relations, both as a uh, a node of the Silk Road that would be vital to get into Afghanistan and also with Russia. I mean, doing all sorts of uh, various economic deals and military deals with Russia, as are the Indians. 
So that's why he had to go. And we hope that the new Pakistani government won't be too weak. But we see that there's there's a shift, right? Like Ursula van der Leyen, whose grandfather, as far as I just read this morning, I didn't finish the article, but yeah, even her grandfather was a high-level um, Nazi collaborating official. Um, <laughs> so these, they keep it in the family. Ursula van der Leyen was deployed and sent over to India this week where she met with Modi. And what was her message? Cut off. Surrender or die. Yeah. Cut off all ties with Russia and China. They don't really love you. We do. Uh, we love you. We want to subjugate you again. <laughs> it was really we want to give you the wonders of wind power. You don't need that uh, smelly petroleum. No. Nuclear? Who needs thorium-powered nuclear plants? Yeah, have a windmill and a solar panel. That's actually what she said. Yeah, and she she literally yeah. said it's the the clean green initiative. Uh, what's it called? The the uh, the Global Gateway, Green Gateway Project, she said, is what we can offer you. Yeah. And we promise we can pull together $300 billion at least towards the Global Gate Green Gateway, uh, where you don't have to work with China and their debt trap diplomacy, which she railed on and railed on. Right. Full, full projection. She said, we can provide you. And where would the money go? What kind of infrastructure would be, would be built by this gateway? Just like you said. It's, it's windmills, solar panels, you know, uh, digital. You can have a digital economy. And, and have it tied to green energies and decarbonization. And that way, the energy that you, you accrue in your, in your solar panels, um, you could then send to us and we can give you more money because we don't have any energy now anyway because we've just shut down all of our, our uh, hydrocarbon fuels and we've shut down all of our nuclear. And so we need something. So please, please send us, send us your, your, your solar power energy, India. And I mean, it wasn't attractive at all. Um, but they're really delusional. And, 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 and she's over there talking energy. And what's her expertise in? I don't know, law or something or marketing? Or law. Know. Another law. Another yeah. lawyer. Because that's what we all have in the West. Yeah. They should make a rule. No law. If you're a lawyer or something like or along the, the similar lines, you should not hold public office. I mean, it's just, it's, it's disgusting what's happening. Yeah, they don't. Maybe if they taught law from the standpoint of justice, it would be different. But yeah, they just teach law from the standpoint of how do you win an argument using uh, sophistry, which is really the yeah. furthest removed from truth seeking that you could imagine. It's like a, a sports. Actually, you know, I, I had a, a lot. I took an elective of criminal law in, in university, and, and I was horrified that the uh, the teacher, who was actually a privy counselor of Canada, he was um, a law teacher. And there was about two hundred students in this giant auditorium, and most of them wanted to become lawyers. I was just there because I was bored. And wanted to use my right, my left brain a bit, and uh, and his first lesson was um, there. It it doesn't matter. You some of you are going to be prosecutors. Some of you going to some of you will be defense. Um, and you might think, you know, where what what is true in the court case? Like who did what? That is not your job. You don't care. Your job is to win the argument regardless. And that was what he's teaching all of these young gullible idiot kids who are just taking notes, sucking it all in. First lesson: there is no, no morality, no truth. Your job, it's like, law is like sports. Your job is to beat the other team. Um, yep. Anyway, <clears throat> horrifying. So it is. this is the thing. Yeah, these people don't have real skills. They don't know what real value is. That's why they're going along with these programs that are obviously undercutting the ability not only of nations to exist by shutting down food production. We have examples now of crops being shut down. We talked about of um, fish across the United States, cattle being killed because of no good reason, like pigs, a million pigs in Ireland are being killed because European uh, carbon 
uh, reduction diktats indicate that they have to reduce their methane output by a certain ratio. And so a million pigs have to just die. Why don't just uh, uh, the, the, why don't they just kill off all of Parliament? That that that's a uh, you can cut a lot of methane that way. A lot of shit could yeah, definitely be flushed, eh? No, I agree. Well, that's the thing; they'll never actually fit themselves into the overpopulation uh, logic ever. Um, uh, what's good for for ye is not good for me, right? Um, but so all of the stuff they normally you'd think, well, a person who's got a, even half a brain, even if you're corrupt, you wouldn't go full hog and destroy the means of supporting your own constituency. Don't you need them to vote for you? Well, not if voting is not a big part of your the system of democracy that you want to bring in place. Um, but they're stupid. They're really like educated to be dumb and have no understanding of what is reality. They probably she probably does believe on some level that windmills can actually replace nuclear power. She might actually think that. The people above her don't, but they don't care. Now, India knows what reality is. They've got over a billion people that they have to keep alive. They're not interested in, in a mass sacrifice. So increasingly, what we're seeing is, an, uh, is a vectoring, uh, a polarization of India that was formerly on the fence. Increasingly, into this alliance more and more every day of the Eurasian um, uh, system. We see the Philippines, which was just a, saw a big loss for, for Soros and Mark Malik Brown, right? The, the nationalists, the, the Duterte party, and, and, and Duterte has all sorts of psych problems, but he was definitely a nationalist. No, he was definitely a nationalist. Yeah, yeah Mar Marcos, Marcos's boys back in power. Marcos's boys back in, very important. And Marcus Boyd, uh, Ferdinand Jr. has made a point that the Philippine priority is going to be infrastructure development and good relations with China. Um, unfortunately, they still have the, the economic uh, pact with the United States military that Duterte tried to, to uh, cancel. And Trump even supported it. When, when Duterte said, we want, we want the U.S. military out 100 days is all they have, it was the Visiting Forces Agreement. Trump was uh, <laughs> gave a speech and he said, yeah. Yeah, we should get out of there. It's a waste of money anyway, and uh, and that was that that freaked out the uh, the roundtable movement, and uh, all that to say, hopefully uh, Marcos is going to continue his dad's fight because his dad actually was not just like Stalin. We were given a lot of mythologies about Stalin being this this completely evil psychopath, worse than Hitler. Not not at all the case. When you actually look at what Stalin was dealing with and what he did, he's not he's not to be held accountable for like ninety five percent of the bad things we've told we've been told that he that he did by the Council on Foreign Relations and, and Roundtable Movement and Fabian Society, who set these narratives up, they did the same thing for Marcos, who, I mean, yeah, he had martial law, but he had martial law in a time when you had the age of the economic hitmen and George Schultz out to destroy every single nation that wanted to resist the IMF globalist diktats. And if you look at what was built under Marcos Sr., who was ousted under the first color revolution funded by Soros and Mark Malik Brown, the same duo that put in Aquino in 2010 in, in Philippines who ousted, who basically organized the entire operation that ran the color revolution in the United States in 2020. They've been caught doing vote fraud with uh, their voting systems, Dominion and earlier Smartmatic in Mexico and in so many countries. Um, it's the same duo that, that in 1986 ousted Marcos, brought in some Soros puppet idiot liberalizer, uh, Coriano Aquino, and she just immediately opened up the markets just like they did in perestroika in Russia to just private private looting and vulture rape. So Marcos built up like threefold the roads, the infrastructure networks. He quadrupled uh, wages, although inf inflation was also created to destroy the, the – uh, to offset the wages. That was whatever. But, but he built up the nation 
in a very serious way, including with the first nuclear power plant that was never permitted to go online after he was ousted. So, you know, this is what's coming back. They, the, the American, the Anglo-American military complex has lost a foothold as part of their ring around China that they very much needed Philippines to be that uh, satrap colony as part of the encirclement of China, just like they're doing on, on Russia's perimeter. You've got a certain pushback in South Korea. They just had elections. I don't really fully know what's going on there yet. Um, Japan's still nuts. But the point is you, you definitely have resistance in South America. We have resistance against this Nazi Great Reset agenda with AMLO, uh, Obrador calling for a, a lithium alliance, which, I mean, together with Chile and Bolivia and uh, Argentina. It'll, it'll be the new OPEC. Yeah, they want to make themselves new OPEC, and that is a vitally strategic resource. They represent the majority of it on the earth. Um, you have it'll be o o o o o OLAC, yeah. <laughs> Organization of Lithium Exporting Countries, OLAC phenomenon, yeah. And this could grow yeah. very easily into something much more rooted in, in sort of a customs union idea, uh, which is which, which like the Mercosur was originally designed to be in 2007 when it was unleashed, it was never permitted to be that under Nestor Kirchner and, and Christina. But you know, you could see that moving when you have the sphere of protection by, by China's economic influence which has something like 40 or 45 ports at this point in South America, Latin America as a whole, um, that scares the hell out of these State Department psychopaths um, and also is offering major in finances for infrastructure development. Um, plus, you have Lula da Silva now openly talking about the uh, the creation of a, of a sewer, an alternative currency for South America and, and, and the Caribbeans uh, to fund economic development. Um, he could easily take over from Bolsonaro very quickly. And so that's also interesting as, as far as game changers are concerned. So you got all the stuff ha that's happening as far as the a, a resistance to the fascist takeover of the world, the depopulation agenda, the Nazi movement of the 21st century. And it's just that we're not participating in it because unfortunately, um, the Nazi power still exists and it is running the part of the world that we happen to live in. It's we're, we're the, we're, are we the bad, we're having, the, we need to have the, are we the baddies moment? You know, uh, that's going viral right now. Hans, are we the baddies? <laughs> yes, we are the baddies. Unfortunately, we're the baddies. There's there's good people as we we have to continuously amplify the good. But um, yeah, the this parasite has uh, taken control of many more things than people would like to admit, um, including the cultural influences. These are the 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 taste that or the thing that shapes our tastes, our identity. Our education system, our music, nothing is unaffected by this calculated Nazi process that integrated the uh, the worst elements of the Trotskyite, uh, you know, Bolshevik insanity through the Congress for Cultural Freedom in Frankfurt School, which was, again, run by George Lukacs, who was who? He was a Bolshevik funded by the Rothschild, uh, yeah, the Rothschilds were into it, but the, the London Wall Street Axis were funding that back in 19... 1917, 1918, George Lukacs was the, the Minister of Cultural Affairs of Hungary that brought in sex ed, non-binary thinking in 1918, who was the godfather of the entire critical race theory Frankfurt School crap that has infested our entire post-World War II age, and especially the young generation who are under 30 at this point are really getting that heavy. Um, oh, if yeah. you say that there's, and this, this ties into what you what we're, we're playing with at the very beginning. But if you, if you say that there's such a thing as, as a truth, it means you're a white supremacist fascist. All roads yeah. lead to white supremacy in this, in this oh. mode of thinking. 
In fact, roads are racist, man. It's a, you know, when you're on a road, that means you're a white supremacist because you have somewhere to be. That's why, you know. Yeah, especially Cecil Rhodes is racist. Especially, yes, <laughs> yes, especially Cecil Rhodes. Very well said. Yeah. Matthew Aaron, thank you so much for joining us, sir. And again, folks, you can go check him out at CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, RisingTideFoundation.net. Get the books. Volume three is out. Birth of a Eurasian, a Eurasian Manifest Destiny. Understand what the real founding will is of the founders and why we are fighting today. Understand how America's multipolar destiny was robbed from her. And with that being said, we are over and out, and we'll be back tomorrow morning, same bad time, same grill channel, for Cuss with Gus. Cheers.